got me this set of uh, books. It's called Life Verses. And they're old preachers uh, with their life verses. In Matthew chapter number 11, uh, verses 28 through 30, are Andrew Fuller's uh, life verses. Andrew Fuller was an interesting preacher uh, a long, long, long time ago. Um, uh, William Carey uh, decided he was going to go into the mission field before it was a popular thing to go to the mission field. And um, he was going to go, and there was no... Faith Promise Missions. It was no, there was no any, none of these things. And and Andrew Fuller was a, a a pastor, and Andrew Fuller made this statement. If you don't know who he is, you might have heard him heard this statement before. He told uh, William Carey, "If you go, we'll hold the line. If you go, we'll hold the line." And uh, he in the United States uh, uh, got the support. Uh, that uh, William Carey needed uh, as he went across the world and uh, preached uh, the gospel to the heathen. Uh, This is Andrew Fuller's life verse. The Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Two times here in Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, the Bible says, I will give you rest. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do thank you for this time that we can meet together. Thank you for your word. I pray that you take your word uh, this morning and apply it to our hearts and our lives. Give us open ears, open hearts to receive what you'd have for us specifically. Speak to us like only you can, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. When I think of the word rest, I used to, when I was younger, not care much about rest. As I've gotten older... I like it a little bit more. I like to rest from time to time. If I do something, I like to rest. My Sunday afternoons, it's got to be an absolute emergency for me not to get rest, not to get my nap on Sundays. I feel like as I get older, I need more rest. Used to when I was in the Navy. We'd be underway, and when we were underway, we were 12 on, 12 off. So we would be 12 on working, and then we'd get 12 off. Well, during that 12 off, you had to do everything. You had to eat, you had to shower, you had to do whatever your hobbies were, and you had to rest in that 12 hours. And then they would like to be cruel to you and decide to go six on, six off. And so in that six hours, you had to do the same thing. You had to do all your things. And so I learned through the years that I only need about three or four hours of sleep at night. So for years and years and years, when I was in college, listen, when I was in Bible college, I worked a job, went full-time to college, and had a family. So I went to work, and I had to support my family, and I had a GI Bill, but I had some, some money I still had to 
uh, uh, pay on my bill. And so uh, I went to school at 7 a.m. I had a 7 a.m. class. I went till noon when we had our, um, when we had our uh, chapel. And then afternoon, I ate lunch, and then I went to my job, and I worked from 2 o'clock till 2 o'clock. So 2 o'clock in the morning, I had an hour's drive home because we couldn't afford uh, to have a house. So we stayed at uh, my, my in-law's uh, uh, extra place. And so we drive out, I'd drive out there about an hour. I'd get home, uh, and I'd have an hour to go to school. So I'd have about two or three hours of sleep, and I'd get back up, and I'd go to my 7 o'clock class. I did that basically for four years. So I never required much sleep. But I've noticed, is anybody else with me on this? As I get older, I'm requiring just a little bit more. When I think of rest, I think of not doing anything. When I think of rest, I think of kicking back in my recliner. When I think about rest, I think about closing my eyes. When I think about rest, I think about the absence of labor when I'm thinking about physical rest. When we're talking about Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, he's talking a little bit different rest here in Matthew chapter number 11. What is he talking about when he talks about Rest. Number one, we see the first rest in verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. What is God talking about? What is Jesus talking about here? If you have a, uh, a red letter Bible, you'll notice these uh, letters are in red. Jesus is speaking here and he says, listen, if you'll come to me, I will give you rest. What is he talking about? He's talking about eternity. He's talking about eternal rest. I want you to know we're all laboring. All of us. We all labor. We all, we all do something. I don't care if you're retired. Listen to me. I don't, I'm, I don't plan on ever retiring. Every retired person I ever come across always says, I'm busier now than I was when I was working. I have no plans on ever retiring. I'm just going to work forever. Okay? And so what? we're all busy. We're busy in different ways. Right? Sometimes we're busy because of work. Sometimes we're busy because we have a family. We have, we have children. Sometimes we're busy because of school. Trey's in town. Good to have Trey. Trey's, Trey's at school. He's learning a, a new kind of busy with balancing school and grades and football and all that he's, uh, he's got to do. And, and every once in a while, he'll be able to scoot home for a little bit. But, it, he, but he's busy. We're all, all of us are busy. So we're all laboring, and we're all doing something, uh, and prayerfully, we're all doing something for the Lord. But he says, all you that labor, I want you to know something. You can labor and labor and work and work and work, and it'll never get you to heaven. Your work will never merit you favor. Your work will never earn you grace. The more we do, the more... There's so many people out there today. There are so many groups of people out there today that are trying to work and trying to do their best to get to heaven. But if work gets you to heaven, here's my question. How much work? How much work does it take to get you to heaven? Does it, does it, 
Does it take most of your life? What if you don't get what, what, what if you don't get right with God or what if you don't get into church until you're later in life? And what if you what if you don't live very long? I mean, how much work is enough? Listen, there is a work that gets you to heaven, but it's a work that's already been done. You see, Jesus Christ understood and knew your plight. He knew that you were in trouble. He knew that this world was in trouble. He knew, the Bible says in Romans 3, verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and 10, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's not one of us that has has a righteousness that earns us favor with God. Matter of fact, Isaiah said, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That's the best we have and it'll never get you to heaven. Jesus understood that. So the Bible says that, that he left the glories of heaven. And he came to this sin-sick world. He lived a perfect and sinless life. And he went to the cross. He died upon an old, rugged cross. Took the sins of the world upon himself. Do you know what the sins of the world are? You know what the sins of the world are, right? They're your sins. They're my sins. They're your failures and my failures. The failures of the whole world. It's not about God liking one group of people more than He likes another group of people. God doesn't love you more than He loves me. We're biased. We're biased people. No, I'm not biased. Yes, you are. You should be. Can I tell you, you should love your spouse more than you love the than, than, than you love you know the person in church. Do you realize? Listen to me. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I love my kids more than I love you. I'm, I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but you should too, right? Because we're biased like that. But you don't understand that God, the Bible says, is no respecter of persons. So that means God doesn't love you more than He loves me. And it doesn't mean that God loves me more than He loves you. God loves people. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why He took the sins of the world upon Him. That's why He was buried. And that's why He rose again the third day. Do you know why? So that you never have to. Our sins separated us from God. Separation's a terrible thing, isn't it? I knew... I knew pretty fast when I went into the Navy that if I wanted to have a family that I was going to have to get out. Now, some people go and if they, they make it, and they go, but I knew I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't be away all the time. I couldn't be separated all the time. I mean, six-month cruises and nine-month cruises and ten-month, I mean, it would just be too difficult for me personally. And I knew that separation would be too hard. I remember... Uh, in, in college, we joke about it today. I don't. I, I can't. I even hardly remember Kyle's first year. I know. I know he had a first year, but I don't remember it. I was hardly ever there because I was at college or I was at work or I was at uh, the bus route or I was doing something, uh, uh, something else. And and I hardly remember. And when Anna came along, I mean, I was busy. I was busy doing this and I was busy doing that. When Emma came along, where's that spoiled rotten child of mine? The first, I know he's getting a kid, and you ask my wife, the first 
four years of her life, I rocked her to sleep every night. You don't wonder why she's spoiled. I did it. I, I, I'll be readily, I readily admit it because I, I was able to be there. Separation's hard. Your sin has separated you from God. Do you understand without Jesus Christ that separation is permanent? It's permanent. There's no reconciliation without God. He is the propitiation. He is the reconciliation. He is the resurrection. He is the one, the go-between. See, there is a mediator between God and man. It's not you and it's not me. It's not the church and it's not baptism. It's not good works. There's a mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the go-between. Without Jesus Christ, we have no hope. Without Jesus Christ, there is no grace. Without Jesus Christ, there is no mercy. Without Jesus, there's only justice. Let me tell you what you want. You don't want justice. You just think you want justice. You don't want justice. You want grace. You want mercy. Let me give you an example. If you're speeding, and you get pulled over by a cop, the cop pulls you over, comes up behind you, puts his lights on, gets out and comes up. What's his first question? Do you know how fast you were going? And you listen, you're, go, you're either going to lie or you're going to try to get around every way you can. When he gets up here, you don't say, yes, I was doing 16 or 30 and I demand a ticket. Something wrong with you. You do that, right? What do you do? You try to talk your way out of it. I mean, you cry. You say this. You do that. Oh, there's an emergency. There's a reason I was doing this. What are you trying to do? You're trying everything you can to get out of getting a ticket. Do you deserve one? If you're doing 16 to 30, you do. If you're doing 16 to 30, you deserve to go to jail. But I'm just saying, you, you just, do you deserve it? Of course you do. Why? Because you broke the law. And when you break the law, there's justice. We don't want justice. We want mercy. What does Jesus bring? He brings mercy. Jesus brings grace. And let me tell you something about his grace. His grace is sufficient for you. It's enough. Do you know how I, you know, how I know it's enough? Because when God saved me, if he only had, enough, he only had a certain amount of grace, he'd have used it all up on me. I mean, he would have had to take all his grace to save me. Isn't that what Paul said? He has saved the chief of sinners. But guess what? People have been saved after me. You know why? Because God's grace is enough. You need, listen to me, you might not think you need rest, but you need rest in your life. You know what life's made up of? A lot of life. Worry. Fret, frustration. Has anybody in here, be truthful, has anybody in here ever in their life been frustrated? Some of you, I, I couldn't get you. Listen, if I was giving out $500 bills, I couldn't get some of y'all to raise your hand. Frustrated. We've all been frustrated, haven't we? Matter of fact, you probably don't have to go back very far. We've all worried. You probably don't have to go back very far. 
And life is made up of wringing our hands and frustrations and, and, and worries. And I'm not saying all of life's like that, but I'm telling you, it's intermingled in our life. In different stages in our lives. You know what you need? You need rest. You need that second kind of rest that we're going to talk about here in a minute. But let me tell you something. We need that first rest. There's a lot of things I worry about. I shouldn't. Because 85% of the things you worry about, you can do nothing about. Did you know that? You can do nothing about them. Isn't it silly to worry about how tall you are? Do you know the anxiety that Amy Carmichael had over the color of her eyes? If you've never read a book on Amy Carmichael, I challenge you to read a book. I mean, great woman of God that reached so many people for Christ. But she was so had so much anxiety because of the color of her eyes. Now, I say you can't change it, but you can stick things in your eyes now and change the color of your eyes. But my point is, we worry over things that we can't do anything about. And let me tell you something. I might worry over this, and I worry from time to time over my children. Anybody worry over their children? I just thought that I worried about my children when they were younger. Ah, ah. Your kids get to be adults? You just thought that you worried. Trust me. Trust me on this one. I mean, we worry. I mean, every time they go out, every time they drive, I'm going to tell on Emma. She's going to be so mad at me. Don't you tell on me, Luke. Is that we ones? She jumped in the car and she had to go somewhere. She was in the enclave and she, bam, backed it right into the, these two, two, two poles that were out in the middle of the thing. Backed it right in smash. I'm saying, she calls me on video time or whatever that is, FaceTime, whatever that thing's called. And, uh, and, I, and I, I was like, what are you doing? So I answered the phone and she says, don't be mad at me. I'm like, oh my goodness, she killed somebody, you know. <laughs> so, something terrible happened, but you know, it just scratched the car a little bit. But every time they get in the car, you get worried, right? Every time they go to work, you get worried. Every time they, they want to be adults and they have to pay their bills, you know, you, you, you worry about it because it's natural. Let me tell you something I never worry about. From the day, now I'm not saying everybody's the same. I'm just telling you, for me, from the day I got saved to this day, I've never worried about my salvation. I've never worried about where I'm going when I die. I mean, I've got enough to worry about. I don't have to worry about that. Why? Because God has already settled it He has settled it in Jesus Christ. And when I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He saved me. How do I know that He saved me? Because He said He would. You understand that? God's not like you, and God's not like me. Right? He's not like people. Has anybody ever told you they were going to do something and didn't do it? Sometimes out of their control, sometimes they're just flat liars. Right? I mean, you've, you've met him before. We're, we're going to do this. and we don't. I remember when I was a little kid, we were going to go to um, a theme park up north. It's called the Great Escape. It's the only theme park. There was no, there's no Six Flags. There was no, I mean, there's nothing up where I'm from. But this Great Escape was, I haven't been since I was a little kid, but it's probably the most pitiful theme park you've ever seen. But when I was a kid, it was the greatest thing ever. And so we were going to go to the Great Escape. Everybody was coming, and my Uncle Daryl was coming. My Uncle Daryl was my hero. I mean, I was just a kid, but my Uncle Daryl was, 
He had tattoos. He drove a motorcycle. He was a rebel. I mean, he was the outcast. I love, every time Uncle Daryl came in town, he brought me something. I mean, I just loved Uncle Daryl. He was going with us to the Great Escape. It's going to be the greatest day of my life. I mean, I was so excited. And we waited. And we waited. He said, listen, he said, he said, Joey, I said, he said, I'm, I'm going to be there. I promise I'm going to be there. So excited. He never broke his promise. So, so we waited and we waited. Myself, what in the world is he doing? We're wasting time. It's going to take us an hour and a half, two hours to get there. I mean, what is he? And my mom got a phone call. And because he lived this kind of lifestyle, he's driving his motorcycle over Potter Hill and hit a, hit a hill going too fast on his motorcycle, flew his motorcycle in the air, came off his motorcycle, impaled himself on a wrought iron fence in a cemetery, died instantly. And uh, my mom had to come out and tell us all what happened. And, and uh, I remember to myself, my, my first thought was, because I was just a little kid, but my first thought was, but he promised he'd be here. Ever, ever somebody, somebody ever promise you something and break your heart? Let me tell you something. When God promises something, he'll never break your heart. When God says he's going to do something, he always does it. Do you know why I believe that Jesus is coming again? I don't need no proofs. I don't need no signs. I know Jesus is coming again because Jesus said he's coming again. Everything he says comes to pass. And so I know and I understand that when I called upon the Lord, if you've ever called upon the Lord, you can know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt, 1 John 5, 13, that you can know, that you know, that you know that you have eternal life. Paul, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. Can you imagine looking into his face? Listen, that rest that we'll have for all eternity. There are only, listen to me, there are only two places to go. I want you to understand, this idea of annihilation is, is, is not biblical. This idea that we're from the dust that we came and the dust we're going to go back is very mis- misinterpreted. It doesn't mean that we're just going to go away and there's going to be nothing here in the afternoon. Listen to me. Do you realize that Jesus in his earthly ministry spoke more about hell than he did about heaven? It's a real place. It's a place that wasn't created for you. It wasn't created for people. It was created for the devil and his angels. But I want you to know something. There are people, and by by the way, the Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are going that way. Maybe because they think they're saved or maybe because they're, 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 they're basing their salvation on works or baptism or church membership or, or whatever it might be. I want you to know something. If you think that every member of every church is going to heaven, you're naive. Joining a church doesn't get you to heaven. Getting baptized doesn't get you to heaven. There are people that are part of a church that are going to heaven. There are people that never join a church that are going to heaven. There are people that are Baptists that are going to heaven. There are people that are Baptists that are not going to heaven. You understand that? 
There are people of other denominations that are going to heaven, and there are people of other denominations that are not going to heaven. It's not a matter of what you are or who you are. It's a matter of whose you are. It's a matter of placing your faith in trust in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus said, if you'll call upon my name, whosoever, listen, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Jesus said, if you'll come to me, I will give you rest. That rest for eternity. That rest because, number one, he saves us. First John 1 and 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When God does something, he does it completely. When God does something, he does it right. We bought this year we were out of space, so we bought a tent. Now, when I think of a tent, I think of something you sleep in. This is like a wedding tent, 20 by 40. If you don't know how big that is, it's massive. The ones that got the sides on it and the tops on it, and so you can put it outside and you can be under it and not get wet. So we put it up so we can use that for extra space for what we want us. We put that thing up, so, I mean, so proud of ourselves. I mean, it took a lot. I mean, there was a, there was a, I mean, there was a lot of stuff involved in that. Got it all put up, got it all set down. I mean, it was, I mean, halfway through, it started downpouring, and it, and, it, and, it, and it covered us well, and I'm thinking to myself, man, we nailed this thing. Got it all down, and it, well, it involves spikes to go in the ground. This thing is so sturdy. We don't need to put spikes in the ground. What? What do you mean, whoa? Huh? We, we got this thing. It's, there's no problem. Rained. I mean, we used it for a couple days. Everything was great. Did, was it Friday? It's like hurricane force winds. I'm not kidding. They're like sweeping in. and Well, let me tell you, Wendy went out. She was checking on things, and the tent lifted up. I mean, the whole t- 20 by 40 tent. Lifted up off the ground. She comes in and says, Look, we might have a problem. We're good. There's no problems. It is, it's getting a little crooked. It ain't no problem. I'll put a couple stakes in it. It's going to be fine. No, she said, I think so. It'll be fine. <laughs> it was not fine. <laughs> I mean, that wind came under there. We're trying to take that thing down. Emma's holding on to it, standing on it. The wind came in, picked her up in the air, picked the whole tent up, moved it, and put it on top of the fence. (laughs) Let me tell you something, folks. When you don't do something right, when you don't do something complete, there's going to be problems. There's going to be issues. Every single time. I'm glad that Jesus doesn't save halfway. I'm glad he doesn't save most of the way. 
I'm glad that when Jesus does something, he does it right, and he does it all the way. 1 John 5.13 says that I can know I have eternal life. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to guess about it. I don't have to carry a, a lucky rabbit's foot. I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to keep up at, at night. Listen, do you, do you ever waste, lie awake at night thinking, thinking about your problems, thinking about your issues, thinking about something pops into your head? I'd had... I tell you, I had had all the tables out of Brother Dwayne's Sunday school room. Two o'clock this morning, I said, oh, I forgot to put the tables back. So I'm, still, I'm laying there at two o'clock in the morning, like I could do anything about it right then. It didn't matter. I stayed up for an hour thinking about, oh, I'm going to have to get up early, and I'm going to have to go to the church, I'm going to have to get the tables in there, and then I put them in wrong, Miss this fam had to change it for me. But I, I, I had to put the tables in there and I had to, and then, you know, you have to get up at a certain time. You ever do this? You ever get up at a certain time and you wake up like two hours before and then you wake up an hour and a half before and then you wake up an hour before and, because you got so many things on your mind, so many things going through your mind. Listen, I never wake up in the middle, never once have I woke up in the middle of the night and wondered if I was saved. You know why? Because I can know that I have eternal life. God has done it, and He's done it all the way. He saves us. Number two, not only does He save us, but He establishes us. He establishes us. Listen, 1 Peter 5. Let me read this verse. I'm running out of time. 1 Peter 5. I always go and then miss my... Or I get my introduction and I miss everything else. First John, or First Peter 5, in verse number 10, the Bible says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. God established you in the faith. God has, God has only saved you, but listen, the Bible says that He has picked you up out of the mud, and muck, and the mire of life and set your feet upon the rock. Can I help you with something? Peter's not the rock. He's not the rock. The preacher's not the rock. Some saint of God's not the rock. Jesus Christ is the rock. And we are set on a firm foundation. Why? Because he has established us. If you're on a you're on a you're on a uh, a, a foundation that is not established, your building's going to crumble. What you build is going to fall. If you build some, listen to me. If you get a kid in and you build something and it had fifty screws and you have forty eight screws left over. I wouldn't use it. I mean, it's just going to crumble. It's just going to fall. Why? Because you, because you don't have established. We've got to be established. We've got to be steady. I remember my dad. Let me tell you how my dad taught me how to ride a bike. Training wheels? Seriously? I don't even know if there were training wheels when I was a kid. I guess there were. But I'd never seen a pair. Put me on my bike. I was just little. Little kid. Put me on a bike you you see these commercials with dads running by. They're... No. Put me on the bike, said, grab the handlebars, put your feet on the... And shoved me towards the hill. The downhill. You know how many scars I got on my head from falling off my bike? 
fall off my bike. And, oh, my. Listen, you know why I'm not emotional? Because my dad, you, you don't, you, bet, you cry, I'll give you a reason to cry. The blood coming out of my head is not a reason to cry. I mean, come on, dad. Get back on the bike. If you don't get back on the bike, you're not going to, you, you, know you know what his point was? Let me tell you something. You're going to fall every time until you steady yourself. Get yourself steady on that bike. You know what Jesus Christ has done for you? He steadied you. He established you. He's not only put you on the solid rock, but then the Bible says he has established your goings. He's pointed you in the right direction. He has shown you the way. If you're on the wrong path, stop blaming God. If you're doing the wrong things, it ain't God's fault. And by the way, stop blaming your parents and your environment and the government and everybody else and start taking ownership for why you're doing the things you're doing. You're doing them because you choose to. We choose to do them. By the way, that goes for all of us. This idea, I love, I love how we do this. As human beings, we look over at somebody else and we think, to them, man, they got themselves put together. Man, half of them are a ball of cats inside. I mean, they got this thing going, they got this thing going, and they, just because they put a good front on doesn't mean they, they, they got everything going. I say this all the time. The grass is greener on the other side. Yeah, but the water bill's higher, or it's sitting on a septic tank. Everybody has problems. Everybody has troubles. And boy, you find yourself in the wrong way. You find yourself in the wrong path. It's not God's fault. God didn't bring you down that path. You chose to go down that path. God's established our goings. I'm not saying we're not going to have problems because God says the road sometimes is bumpy. Sometimes the road is curvy. Uh, sometimes the road is hilly. I get that. But let me tell you something. It's the best way because God's way is always the best way. There's a, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. We are arrogant. I mean, we are an arrogant people. I mean, this is, our, this is the way walk you in it. Ain't nothing wrong with this tent. Woman, get back in that church. What's wrong with you? I, got, I did this tent. The tent is fine. Sometimes our attitude, right? And let me tell you something. We get this bone attitude. We get this uh, uh, idea that, uh, uh, that we've got, we've got a, this is my way. But let me tell you something. There's, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. You know what we're often doing? We're often leading people down the wrong path. Do you know how many people? Do you know how many preachers are going to stand before God one day for giving false hope? For preaching the wrong things? preaching false doctrine, for leading the church astray, for leading people astray. Listen to me. Go God's way because God's ways are always perfect and they're always right. God will save us. God will establish us. And then number three, God will secure us. God will secure us. Listen, we are safe in the arms of Jesus. That security, 1 John 5, 13, that security that God says that we can know, that we know, that we know, that we have eternal life. Because once God saves us, we are saved forever. There are some things that are established and they're established forever. They're established forever. Listen to me. When I was born... My mother 
and my father will always be my mother and my father. They could disown me. I could disown them. I could get a step-parents, and I do have step-parents. I could, I mean, all things, all these things that can happen. But let me tell you something that's not going to change. My mother is going to be my biological mother, and my father is going to be my biological father. You, you can't change that. You can go to court. You can divorce yourself from your parents. You can emancipate yourself. You can do all these different things. But it still doesn't change the facts. Let me tell you something. If God has saved you, he has saved you not for a little while. He has saved you forever. You know what John 10 talks about? Listen. John 10 talks about that, that we are in the hands of Jesus. Right? We're safe in the hands of Jesus. And, and, and where is Jesus? In the hands of God. Do you know what the Bible says? No man, no being could ever pluck you out of his hands. The only way for you to be unsaved, the only way for you to lose the salvation that God has given you is for God himself to take it back. It's the only way. God said he wouldn't do that. So once you're saved, you're saved forever because nobody could ever pluck you out of his hands. I believe, I've said this before, I believe that we have two dates in our lives. I believe we have a birth date and I believe we have a death date. And I believe God knows both of them because God knows everything. Sooner or later, barring the rapture of the church, Sooner or later, we're all going through death. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. We're all going to die. And to worry all the time. Oh, we worry all the time about our health. We worry all the time about driving. We worry, you, and I hope you're not one of these people, but you may be. You ever see some people drive? I mean, they look like they're about to get in an accident all the time. I mean, they look like they're petrified. They look, now I'm not talking about beginners. I'm not talking about people that are beginning to, but I'm talking about people that have been driving a long time. And I mean, they're, I mean, they're like shaking like this and they're driving 25 miles under the speed limit and they're putting their blinker on two and a half miles before they're going to have to turn. And I mean, and when they turn, this is my favorite thing. My favorite thing is when people turn and stop in the middle of the road before they actually turn. I hope you don't do that. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying. I don't like it. But they look nervous all the time. And what a, you listen to me, what a shame it is to walk around life nervous all the time. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't eat right, because you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of yourself, because you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't, you shouldn't be careful. But you know what I taught my children? I taught my children to, to drive, not just defensively, but, just, but drive offensively too. Just, just go out there. No, I'm not saying. No, no, no. Kyle's an exception, okay? Because he might, he might run into you if he gets mad. But I say, when you get mad, get yourself under control. Watch your left. Uh, uh, watch your right. Watch your left. Watch your mirrors. And just make sure you know what's going on around you. Because it's smart, right? It's smart to be safe. But to worry all the time. I believe people are worrying themselves early in the grave. They're so worried that they're going to get sick that they get sick. 
Listen to me, I'm not, I am not poking fun at it, and I'm not making light of it, but let me tell you something, if I get COVID, I get COVID. Now, I'm not going to the hospital and, and you know, licking doorknobs, I mean, but, I'm, but I'm, if I want to go out, I'm going to go out. If I need to visit somebody at the hospital, I'm going to visit somebody at the hospital. I went and saw Bob. They tell me after I went and saw Bob, uh, don't go see Bob, he's got COVID. It wasn't symptomatic. I mean, he just, but let me tell you something. You can either hide in a corner and hide in a bubble, but let me tell you something. You're still going to die. It's still going to happen. I'm not saying live, I'm not saying get in an airplane and jump out without a parachute. I'm not saying that. But I am, I'm saying take care of yourself. But I am saying don't worry yourself into an early grave. Know that God has got this. And God has got you secure. And God has got you safe. And when it's your time, it's your time. And just keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. When you keep your eyes on Christ, He'll save us. He'll establish us. And He'll secure us. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this morning, without a shadow of a doubt, that God loves you? We know that because the Bible talks about it over and over and over again. John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God loves you. He loves you supremely. He loves you sacrificially. God loves people more than anything. And if you're not saved this morning, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, can I tell you the most important thing you can do? Is ask Jesus Christ to into your heart, into your life for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm not saying church membership and baptism and works and all that aren't important. I'm just telling you they're not important when it comes to being saved. They're not important when it comes to having that eternal rest that Jesus Christ gives. Are you saved? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning and right back down, and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to come to where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you anyway. I just want to pray for you and Bobby. I appreciate your hand, and I'll pray for you. Is there another? I'm not sure about it, preacher. Please remember me in your prayers. Boy, you're saved. You know Christ is your Savior. Let me tell you something. God has established you and He's secured you. Stop worrying about it. Start resting in Jesus Christ because He has got this. And He has got you. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. But understand that God's got this. No man can pluck you out of His hands. Rest totally and wholly upon Him. You won't rest with that burden that's hanging on your shoulders. You won't rest with that burden that's rolling around in your mind all the time. Peter said, casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. Cast that care to Him this morning. Let Him take care of it and find your rest in Jesus Christ. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed.
instruments playing this morning in the hymn of invitation. Can I invite you to come? Boy, you need rest. Maybe you need rest because you need to be saved. Maybe you need rest because you need to be secure. Maybe you need rest because you need to be settled. Established. Find your rest in Jesus and Jesus alone. It'll, it'll make all the difference in your life if you just find your rest in Him. If you need to come for whatever reason, as the instruments come this morning, you come. Amen. Good to see you this morning. Good to be here in the house of the Lord. Be back in your place 6 o'clock for prayer, 6.30 tonight for the evening service. And then uh, right after the services this evening, we will have a men's meeting. So make sure that you're back uh, and in your place for that. Let's have a great afternoon.